0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out, and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so excited that you have joined me today for a conversation with my friend, Aaron Amuchastege. And Aaron is a real estate investor and entrepreneur that likes to run his businesses on the road while traveling with his family. In 2017, he and his family spent three weeks traveling and educating on the road for every one week they spent at home. Amazing. Over his career, Aaron has built, bought, and sold many companies and has bought and sold thousands of houses nationwide, including over $100 million in single-family homes. Most importantly, Aaron is a husband and a father to four kids, Madeline, who is 10, Charlotte, who is 8, Isabel, who is 7, and Brax, who just turned 2. Aaron, welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat.
1: Hey, Andy. Glad to be here, man. That's a fun, exciting intro you gave me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. I pride myself in putting those together based on things I find on the internet. Luckily, there was nothing too incriminating out there for me to put in, but really glad to have you on. This has been a long time coming. We met at the Front Row Dads Retreat through our friend John Vroman last April, so it's been almost a year, amazingly enough, and we've been trying to get this interview scheduled probably since then. I think we've had like four different times that it, it kind of fell through, but we are on today. And I'm really excited to bring your story to our audience because you have a great, rare and inspiring combination of both building a really successful business and also being very intentional about how you spend time with your family and wanting to be a great husband and father. So i love to be able to bring that story out. So I'd love to start with a little bit of your background, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your origin story and how you got to where you are today.
1: Yeah, you know, life today is pretty awesome when it comes to entrepreneurship and how we do it with our family and, and when people get to see it, it's pretty wild, right? Just like you said, every month, uh, last year, we spent three weeks on the road and for every one week we spent at home and we went to like 15 countries or something last year, even though we got our passports in January and, you know, ran our businesses kind of remotely and while we saw it it and it's been this really cool hip thing when we talk about the origin story, I think the most important part about, yeah, the most important key to our success now is we didn't always do it like this, right? So the first businesses I built, I didn't build this way, right? I didn't build with the family in mind and the lifestyle in mind. I wanted to build really cool businesses. And so I was just grinding it out and building and, and doing that sort of stuff, you know? So with the kind of the first origin of, of how it all went. So I was a you know, i got gotten a degree in construction management and I worked for a home builder in Southern California at the height of the housing. Group. And that was like super cool. You know, we were running these companies where as quick as we could build the houses, they would sell. It was like this finely tuned machine. We build houses in like 78 days or something crazy. And then they would sell and our life seemed like really easy, right? It was like just running an operation and we were golfing a couple days a week and it was very cool. And I was like, I kind of like this, right? They're right out of college, six figures, having a good time. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Right. Like sign me up, you know. And I was living in Southern California, like Santa Barbara area, and it's like surfing every you know, every weekend and seventy degrees and sunny. It was like had a very improper expectation of what life was going to be later. (laughs) Right. Because that story just doesn't happen out of school. Like I'd worked hard in school to get there and it really came to a crashing halt literally with the housing crash, right, in California. So then all of a sudden, Everything came to a standstill and houses weren't able to get sold anymore. And instead of having a ton of employees, we laid off the 70-ish people that worked for the company. And there was only a few of us left. It was like the owners and me, and we moved up to Northern California and Sacramento. And at that time, we were just trying to find different businesses and ways to fit in. And kind of the short story is, as I was trying a bunch of different things, a niche that I found was being able to buy houses on the courthouse steps to flip them and sell them. Along the way, we had tried to start a bunch of different businesses, but none of them worked out very well. I had always wanted to get into flipping houses, but the other ways that we found, it was a highly competitive market. You know, there were a lot of people buying short sales on MLS or REOs, and we were nobodies. And so we had to find something that nobody else was doing. And and back then, nobody else was doing trusty sales. I mean, there was like three or four people doing it. And so to figure out how it worked, I... I spent my time down at the county recorder's office like reading loan documents and trying to teach myself what the courthouse step auction process was like because nobody was doing it. There was no software. There was no companies that were gonna help you back then. And so we started buying houses on the courthouse steps and uh, with the other company that I had been working with and started to kind of find some success that maybe this is gonna be a niche for us. And my second baby was born six weeks early. So Charlotte was born six weeks early and at that time, my wife was working nights at the casino as a waitress and I was working around the clock trying to, you know, to do this. And I was looking at Charlotte and the incubator and I just felt so to blame for, you know, cleaning working nights and say, man, the last couple of years I should have provided more for us. I instead, I'm going to become an entrepreneur. That was like the big moment of, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to stop working for this company and I'm going to start my own business and I'm going to see if we can do it because I need to be able to provide more for my family and this working around the clock grinding isn't gonna be the solution. And I had started small businesses at different times to try to get different things to work and you know, drafting companies, all real estate and construction related, to try to like have this outside hustle and, and you know, collecting real estate sales data and things like that. And you know, it was probably, probably started five or six businesses that never went anywhere, that just cost money and time. And they were ideas that we kept trying to find ideas. And this flipping of the courthouse step one finally worked. So I quit my job, I had six weeks of savings at the time and said, all right, we've got six weeks and we've got one investor who was my dad, we're gonna go try to buy a house on the courthouse steps. At that time, a foreclosure moratorium got like started within the country because it was like all these foreclosure outbursts. So the next six weeks, no houses actually went to sale or very few. So I was like driving houses, So I was like working 12 hour days, driving and inspecting houses, comping and pricing, going and standing at auction. I didn't buy a single house. And we got like near the end of that six weeks, and I told Kalina, I'm like, if I don't buy a house next week, I think I'm gonna go get a job again. Like it didn't work. We had six weeks of savings, and and um, six weeks were up. Yeah, six weeks were up. Exactly. It almost wasn't enough. Luckily, like God decided I was supposed to be doing that after all. And so on January 1st, the foreclosure moratorium got lifted, and on January 3rd, we bought two houses, and those became kind of our first flips that business quickly like kind of escalated a couple weeks later, my dad had like sent somebody an email, like, Hey, look what my son had done. And an investment company reached out to me and said, Hey, we heard that you've been doing this. We want to learn more. So that turned into getting introduced to some great guys. I ended up, you know, the fast forward story ended up getting a, a big kind of funding from them to start trying to flip houses on the courthouse steps. Like we did as a construction home builder. So we did really high volume, and this business was hugely successful for several years, but the, something I did back then that was a little different is I ran that company with heavy overhead. I did it with lots of employees and we worked crazy hours. And because auctions were every day, all day, it was kind of like there was work was my focus and my family was not, and my kids were not. And there was even this you know, a time where my wife was my broker selling houses and I was running these companies. And so we had this hugely profitable businesses but near the end of 2012, 2013, you know, my wife and I were like, our whole family was kind of in shambles. Like business wise, we had been making a bunch of money, but we weren't like treating each other right anymore. And it was kind of getting to our heads. And then we had a really bad year of business where a bunch of other people entered the market. And so with competition, we lost, you know, over a million dollars in savings that year. We were like on the verge of divorce and we pretty much got put out of business in California, which was like a totally devastating moment, right? Yeah. And so that was the first big venture. And then the next year or two, it was like back to the drawing board as an entrepreneur. You know, I kind of told people, Hey, you know, we lost what we had, but it's okay. Cause as an entrepreneur, your brain says, I'm going to find another opportunity. Something else is going to come out. So I, you know, when I would tell people or they couldn't believe that we had gone from one level to another, you know, I said, don't, don't worry, we're going to find a way. But at that time we just started working on our marriage and our life and our parenting and stuff again. And as we got that in track, we found opportunities in other states to do what we were doing in California. This time we decided to use software more than, you know, so we could do it with less people. We would do things a little bit more lean. And as we started buying houses again and flipping them and renting them in other states, you know, now we're at a volume level, we were back at our peak. But this time, you know, when we went broke after like that, that the first real big successful business, my wife and I used to always say like, you know, Next time, if we ever have another chance, we're going to do it so much different. We're going to do it so much different with our money. Instead of spending it on silly things, we're going to donate to the right causes. Instead of buying you know fancy cars, we're going to make sure we do experiences over things. And instead of having nannies raise our kids, we're going to raise our kids. Another big shift that happened with this new business that became who we were when we first got out to some of these other states, I told Kalina, hey, you got to get your broker's license again and start selling these houses. And she started, you know, taking the test because that was an additional income of like $30,000 a month of selling our house. That's not small, it's significant, right?
0: $30,000 a month is pretty significant. to
1: Yeah, super significant. Yeah. And she said, you know, Aaron, I don't think I want to work for you again. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? Like she goes, I, she goes, we, we almost got divorced last time. Like I would rather just stay at home and homeschool the kids and support you in running your business. And at first, you know, kind of one of our life hacks that became that business who we were at first, it was like, if you don't work and you don't bring in that twenty or $30,000 a month, like we're leaving so much on the table, we're not gonna be able to succeed at the level we thought. What we didn't realize is that by her not working and being able to kind of run and support the family, and then really like get behind me and run and support me with whatever venture we wanted to do within the business, that our business would actually grow well beyond the salary that we had foregone. We're not working anymore.
0: So you were basically saying that by her staying home and supporting the whole family and you and your business, you were actually able to accelerate the business and make more money than you would have made if she had been working in the business.
1: Right. That was kind of the big if, because and then we hear a lot of people when we talk about the way that we do our lives, they'll ask and they'll say, well, we can't give up the second income and we can't do this but that would be difficult. And it was a challenge and it took many, many months before the challenge paid off. And then eventually it was by supporting me, I was able to take the business to bigger levels to make up for it. And so that became a big part of how we do it. And so then now along the way, we started homeschooling the kids and using some of those kind of same methods. When I first had to rebuild my businesses, I, I read Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning and Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek. And I combined those two things to build our new business. And when we started homeschooling the kids, we use the same concepts, right? So my wife, she's doing final edits on her book, the five-hour school week right now, which is what we, you know, the kids do an hour a day of learning, like heavy book type focused learning. And the rest of the day, we do all sorts of fun stuff instead. But that's kind of been the journey of entrepreneurship for us. So one time I did it with lots of employees and lots of focus and just grinding around the clock, but my marriage struggled. And then we did it a little bit more lean and with marriage and family and kids as the focus and experiences as the focus and as a team, and we've been able to thrive beyond that. And I think the other lesson that every, that most of your entrepreneurs will probably say is when you learn the skills of entrepreneurship, it doesn't necessarily matter what industry you're in. Hmm. You always have this tool that's worth so much that if an industry fails or, or you go broke or you have to start over, the mind will find another opportunity somewhere else.
0: I wanted to follow up on a few things that you mentioned because this is a fantastic story because you've done so much, but you've experienced success in so many different areas and the failures that came with the things with your business contracting in California. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, which I'm a huge fan of. And I actually just interviewed Hal on this podcast recently, which was an awesome experience. And the Tim Ferriss's 4-Hour Workweek, of course, has definitely made an impact on me and so many other entrepreneurs. But speaking of entrepreneurship, I want to go back to the beginning of your story where you said that things were sort of in turmoil. You had your second kid, Charlotte, who was born six weeks early. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, we're struggling right now. I need to become an entrepreneur. I need to go start a business. And when you said that, I'm thinking, man, that's really cool. But most people would be saying, I need to go get a job and get some secure recurring income a paycheck that pays me every month so I can take care of this family. Most people would be running from entrepreneurship at that point. So what was it that attracted you to that that made you say, no, I think entrepreneurship is actually the better, the safer bet for my family because that just seems counterculture to what most people would think.
1: That's a great question and kind of a great, I hadn't really thought of it like that because it was such a natural experience for me. But you're right, like so usually people say, and that was part of why we were never entrepreneurs before. As I was first graduating from school and there was an opportunity to go do some different developments, you know, my wife, Kalina, used to say, no, what you need to do is something stable, right? Like you need to go get this job and go do it. So it was kind of my brain always wanted to do this other stuff, but then it was like, and I was like, you're right, we do need to do the safe thing. And we need to do the safe thing. The moment for me when it hit me like a ton of bricks was really because we had been doing the safe thing. I went and got a degree, I got a job, I got a really high paying job. And then after the correction, you know, when we had to like lay so many off, I wasn't making as much anymore, but I had a high paying stable job that was still paying more than most, right? It was still on the, on the upper end of a salary. Mm. And so did all those things that we were supposed to do. And the big obvious thing with Charlotte when I was sitting there was, it wasn't enough. Like for the lifestyle of living in Northern California where we were. So I was working full time during the day. My wife was working nights as a waitress at the casino. Like that's what it took to survive. That was the way for us to do it a stable way. Both of us to get a job, not have to pay for daycare. So she would work at night and I would work during the day and we would hand off the baby and she would run off. Like, And so I think the big thing was realizing for us that the stable way, it wasn't gonna solve our problem. Or we'd done everything right and we were still faced with this idea that, you know what, I don't wanna keep living a life where I worked during the day and Kalina works at night. And so there's gotta be more. I need to go see if I can make one of these big businesses really take off.
0: Yeah. So really it was kind of like, and I've had this revelation over my career too, where you kind of look at it and say, well, yeah, this is the safer bet, but it's not really going anywhere and it's not getting us as much money as we need or we want. And entrepreneurship having a business is truly where you're able to make as much money as I don't know, the world will allow basically. Right. And as much money as you need if you do things right.
1: Yeah. Like we could have survived doing that for a really long time, but it would have just felt like survival. Mm. I knew that we were not going to thrive in that environment and there wasn't any better opportunities for jobs for the position we've got ourselves in so far.
0: Yeah. And, and, the, you, st- and you still saw it was pretty risky because the job you had was changing and you were making less money, right? Even though. yeah,
1: And yeah. it had lost a lot of its fun. It wasn't what it had used to be. So that was part of it too, where it's going like, like yeah, we can survive, but and I'm kind of miserable. I'm not having fun going to work anymore. Yeah. I'm not excited about this. She wasn't having fun being a waitress in the middle of the night and it's not seeing each other. And I'm not saying, like, hey, if it's not fun, don't work. Like, we definitely need to. And we right. did. And we did it for a long time. But that was part of what made us say, you know, we think there's more. We've tried it this way for a really long time. It didn't quite work. I want to go try it this way now.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I've even heard recently from a mentor of mine. And my wife and I have been discussing this more as we become entrepreneurs, we've been doing more freelance stuff that, uh, you know, people think of a job as being safer, but you really, all your income is relying on one company, right? And if they go out of business or decide to stop paying you, then you lose everything. Whereas if you are an entrepreneur with multiple clients and one stops paying you, you still have other clients, other streams of income, hopefully that are coming in. So at the end of the day, if you're able to build that business with multiple clients or streams of income, then you're actually a lot safer than maybe having that job. Although the caveat is that all of these things are at the mercy of macroeconomic conditions, like a, you know, a housing market crash or whatever that happened in 2008, right?
1: Yeah. As an entrepreneur, you're more in control of those options, right? So it's still going to be dependent on lots of different things, but you're still in control of your options and your backup plans. I've met lots of people that got a job and they say, I'm working for a real stable company. You know, they've been around for a, a long time, you know it's going to be a great stable job for me forever. And and those are companies that get bought and layoffs happen and change happens. So There's nothing that's a for sure thing. But yeah. as an entrepreneur, you have more control over your backup plans.
0: I want to get to something else that's a little bit personal that you mentioned in the middle there that you had grown this business and then ran into some troubled times. You realized you weren't spending as much time with family. Your relationship was really struggling with your wife. And I've definitely been there as well, had those hard times. And it wasn't even necessarily because of business. It was just because of Poor communication. So I was wondering if you could take me back there and what did you do? What was the pivot or was there a moment where you sort of made a decision that, hey, we need to make some changes because things are not going well?
1: Yeah. I mean, our our pivot moment was like really down to just desperation of going like after fighting for so long, going, Should we even stay married anymore? Now part of it was at the time the business was failing, but it was before that. Like our fighting started and our disagreement started when our business was actually the most successful. I mean, the biggest thing we were lacking was humility. So we built a business and we wanted to make it super successful. Now when it started, we just trying to find a new way to like survive, right? We wanted to find entrepreneurship and we didn't have these high lofty goals. Well, our business got so big and so successful beyond our eyes and beyond our brains. And so humility like left the building. Right? It started to be like, wow, I've, I've built something really cool here. And look at how cool I am and look at how great I am. And look at these things that I'm doing. And so now I can go buy whatever I want. And it makes me feel really good and really cool. And I have lots of employees. And then it could go buy whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, hey, why did you go buy that person a car? Right? That was a thing one day. She's like, oh, I bought that person a car. And I'm like, why? And she goes, well, I'm making as much money as you can. Yeah, as a broker, I'm making as much money as you are. I can do whatever I want. Right. And so it sounds, I mean, I, I say, I was gonna say it sounds worse than it was, but at the time we'll both admit like we weren't giving credit to anybody else except for how great we were. And so then within our family unit, there almost became a competition.
0: Mm. Who
1: is the one ruling this family? Who is the one leading this family? I'm like, Hey, it's my asset management fund and I'm, and I'm buying the houses and I'm doing this. That's my business. So I'm the leader. And she's like, my brokerage is the one getting the commission. And, and so it was a conflict that it wasn't. It's like two alphas, right? Yeah. He was like a super successful broker. Everybody knew her. Everybody told her how awesome she was. And like being a mom is a thankless job. A kid will say, "Give me a sandwich," right. and it won't What's say for dinner.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And when they eat it, they'll say that wasn't very good.
0: No. <laughs> and
1: totally. you know, and the but when she's like a broker and she's the broker that has all the listings and doing more deals than anybody else up in our area. People are like, wow, you're amazing. So she's getting people other than her family telling her how awesome she is. Yep. And then the same went for me. I had everybody telling me how awesome I was. So what led to our downfall was no humility, you know, not wanting to give credit anywhere else, wanting to take credit for everything that was happening in our life. And then it like brought us further apart. You know, our personalities really came out. And so the desperation moments was really like, all right, so we weren't doing very good, and then in business. I kept uh, paying overheads to a lot of people, even though I couldn't buy any houses. So we didn't lose money buying bad houses that year. We bought money trying to pay people's salaries while we were figuring out what was next in our
0: business. Hmm.
1: Like I didn't learn the lesson of layoffs when times go tough. So I spent a year like spending money every month to keep people employed when we weren't actually bringing in income. Yeah. And so we had just bought our house and that required us like, wire some money out of an account? And all of a sudden I realized this account that was always gonna have money was empty. And so then it looked like, wow, the account's empty. We're looking at cleaning, and like, we're in shambles. I then go lay everybody off I hadn't laid off before because I realized, oh, I need to close shop. You know, we didn't fix it. And that was this like moment where you're like, wow. So it was like everything had to be reset. And then you have a lot of time in reflection where you go, man, life could have been so good. And instead of it being good, we started getting cocky and buying stupid stuff. Or instead of we could have gone on trips. We could have done all this stuff. And so that bottom was like a year or two long. And so we had a long time of reflection of going, wow, we sure didn't do this very humbly. We sure didn't do it right. If we ever get another chance, we're going to do this different. We're going to travel instead and we're not going to hire babysitters. And then when we got that new, it's like we had a year or two to plan the ideal entrepreneur relationship that we wanted. So then when the next opportunity hit, we were able to step up for
0: it. Oh man, that is such an interesting story. And I think it's one that are probably a lot of people can relate to. And I wanted to pull a couple things out of that. One is that you've made a lot of money and lost it and you've made money again. And it sounds like you can probably attest to the adage that money does not exactly buy happiness, right? I mean, <laughs> it sounded like you were trying at the time, but it was not, that's not what you needed.
1: Yes. I mean, money is a funny thing, Right all it will do is kind of amplify the current personality that you have.
0: I've heard that. Yeah. So the
1: more money you have, if you're a jerk, it's going to amplify that. If you're a happy giving person, it's going to amplify that. And so, but yes, it is not the solution to things. It's really like it happens later. It's really interesting because when people say that, it's also like, that's a bunch of crap, but some of the worst struggling times we had was when we had tons of money, but like the wrong focus deep down. But yeah, we definitely go by the adage that money, money does not buy. happiness.
0: Yeah, I think it can. I mean, if used use properly, right? Like now you're using it for experiences and traveling with your family and I aspire to do the same thing, but you've got to keep the most important things in mind the entire time while you're doing that.
1: Yeah, that's true. Right. So used properly. Money is the key to making a lot of different things happen and happen faster.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: anybody can go on a vacation if they have a lot of money, they can go on them faster and more often, and things like that. You know, anybody can donate a percentage of their income to their church, to a cause, to the Front Row Foundation, to you know, to One Life Fully Live. There's all these different places, and so now you know we get a lot of happiness when we donate to church and we donate to Front Row and the different causes that we get to go be a part of. Like that does bring a lot of happiness. So there's, it's not the sole answer to it, but it can amplify. You know, your it can obviously amplify your experiences for sure.
0: This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415 925 Six, eight three, two, and now back to the show. Yeah, that's so cool. And the other thing I pulled out of it was, now I think we know why your wife said she's not going to back to work with you again, right? Because it just it didn't end well the first time, and it sounds like it was a really good decision. You passed up on a lot of money, but you made the right decision for your family, which was smart.
1: and really, I am so lucky that she was that smart at the time, because financially, it was almost like an irresponsible decision for her to say no, yeah. right? Like it took so much in her to go, look, like our relationship is on fire now, right? Like we're back. Like we're so in love and we're in love with our kids and, and we're having a really good time. We just wanted a second chance. Our second chance is here. What Let's not changed? mess it up again. Yeah. Right. Let's just do it like you said and just live a little simpler and not do as much in the, you know, and forego that extra thing. So, Really, I have to give her all the credit for that because I was still in my brain going, no, my wife has to work. Like, we need that income. Yeah. And she was just kind of like, just trust me. Let's put our family first. And the and she's just like, she's the smartest lady in the world because it really, it made our businesses grow and our family life grow and our happiness grow. So she was smart enough to remember like, no, when we're focusing on the wrong thing, the wrong things happen.
0: Yeah. It was an investment in your family and your future. That's fantastic. So you built this business, you started building it where you're now you're buying and flipping houses in other states and i know you've got that going on and she's supporting you and your family you guys are traveling right before we started recording you mentioned that you've got some other businesses you've been getting into so what's new and exciting for you and for your business these days Aaron?
1: Yeah, so something that's been fun. Like you mentioned at the beginning, we during our high times in California, we flipped a thousand houses. You know, bought and sold a thousand houses, you know, with investors and partnerships there's probably less than 50 or 60 people in the U.S. that have done that, right? Not yeah. very many people. There's eight companies that own a 1,000 houses or more right now. So we did really, really well. And right now, one of our businesses, we're trying to be the ninth company with a 1,000 single-family rental houses. You know, that's fun. And part of that was, you know, I we flipped a 1,000 and then went broke after, right? So then as I started to do it again and I saw there weren't that many people doing it, I thought, man, if I would've done that different too, you know, I can do that. I could be on the board, I can make that happen. So that's one of our goals. And that's a fun one that's kind of in line with our other businesses. One of the things I'm the most excited about right now is that one of the niches that we've been able to really do well in uh, is on the courthouse steps for auctions and where it's been kind of hard for everybody else to do that business. There are a lot of barriers to entry. You need cash. It's high risk. Like If you don't do the right steps, you can really get hurt. And there aren't very many people that want to teach you how to do it. And when I first started buying them in Texas, I was a subscriber to this list where they sell you the foreclosure list and they sell a spreadsheet and we had built our own company software to take it. And we make, we have iPhone and Android apps with it and this computer desktop valuation tool that we take that list and we really make it something that helps us go to auction and buy a bunch of houses. Six months ago, the former owners reached out to me and asked if I wanted to buy that business. A couple years ago, I reached out to them and said, hey, I built some cool software. Can I sell it to your clients? We almost had a deal a couple years ago. It didn't go through. Now one of the owners passed away and they said, hey, do you want to do this? And so now we're owners of that company, which is a lead company that sells the spreadsheets. But the cool thing that we're trying to do with it now is we are trying to make it really easy for the average individual to get houses at auction. And so by doing that, what we're going to do is the software that we built over many, many years to do it ourselves. We're going to give that away to the clients. We're going to give that away to the people that are buying the spreadsheets and try to make it, we think it's good for the economy. It's good for people. Like right now, big companies are good at buying houses at auction and little guys never really can. Yeah. They're too hard to do all the steps. And so now we're going to do all the steps for them. And then we're doing classes and things like that, where I do some Facebook live sessions and I teach them and go, Hey, this is, it's kind of like going to put one of my other companies out of business, but it's this new, fun, neat thing to go, Hey, can we teach tens of thousands of people how to buy houses on the courthouse steps, using our data, using our software, like taking what we learned before, and then also just trying to kind of give that away as a skill and an option to more people in the future.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Now, when you say you are teaching people how to buy houses on auction, the courthouse steps, is that for them to just buy a single family house to live in or is this for people to get into real estate investing?
1: Yeah, I, was, I think for both. I think a lot of people like the idea of buying a house at auction because they can buy it for 20% less. And then they show up and it's really hard and then they go back to like scratching their heads and how are we going to get into this business and then there's other ways. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of the people, maybe they're only going to buy two or three investment houses or buy their first one or that, but it's of the clients that we have, something like 18,000 people bought one report and then went to auction. It was hard and they never bought another one,
0: mm.
1: right? So there are people that want to get in there. And so it's about helping them whether they want to just find the home they're going to live in and get it at a discount or whether they do want to buy a couple investments or so they do want to flip it. We're trying to help them navigate the auction process and say, hey, it's like when I started back in 2009 nobody taught me and there were no resources out there and it was really hard and it became the way I was able to do it. Right. But right now the only people buying houses at auction are big companies that have figured out the system. And so we're going to try to help the little guy, help the individual that wants to buy a couple of houses whether it's for themselves or for as an investment.
0: Yeah, oh that's really cool. And so who's your like an ideal person to come take advantage of this. Someone just starting out in real estate investing, someone that's been investing for a while and has wants to get into the auction process. Do they need to have cash? Can they use mortgages to get these properties? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So it's a bunch of different ideals, right? So for the individual that wants to get into real estate and they've been listening to like bigger pockets, podcasts, and they want to try to find a deal, you know, we do some classes, but they don't have any money yet. Hmm. Right. And so one of the classes that we'll do or one of the like, so they can buy our pre foreclosure list of people. And they can go knock on doors and try to make deals with people that says, hey, your house is going to foreclosure in a few weeks. Like, let me buy it from you. And they can tie it up for one price. And then they can call other investors and sell to that investors and wholesale it to them. Hmm. Right. So they can make two or three or $5,000 for tying that up. And one of the unique things like about Texas foreclosures is most of the people that go foreclosure there, they actually had equity. They just didn't quite realize that there were companies that they could sell their house to quick enough to do it. It's Like they get the notice that says, Hey, you're behind on your payments. Do you owe a hundred thousand dollars? Their house is worth one hundred and fifty, but they only have three weeks and they kind of just give up. Mm. So there's a big market for that. So somebody knock on the door and say, Hey, let me be the expert. I can find somebody to buy your house. Like let's work together. And so that's how someone can get it. Others are investors that knock on the door once they have enough money and say, Hey, I'll buy the house from you. Yeah. You know, so then they would buy in cash. And then the third people are the ones that go to auction because they knock on the door and nobody answered or they didn't want to sell. And then the house goes to sale on the courthouse steps and then they would be buying there. But the courthouse steps is, you know, is cash only. But there's lots of different versions for it depending on where people are. But usually a lot of people are trying to get into the business. They don't have any money. And the best way to get into real estate is by trying to find a deal and then, you know, get that deal under contract and then find somebody else that wants to pay you for that deal.
0: Yeah, very cool. And, you know, at the beginning in the intro, we mentioned that you're traveling a lot with your family. Your goal is to travel three weeks and be home for a week. How are you running all this while you're traveling? I imagine you must have a lot of systems and automation set up to get these things going.
1: Yeah, software and automation. You know, I travel a lot for the businesses and I try to have them, you know, tag along as much as we can. You know, next week we leave, we go on like another five or six week kind of runner. Right, so we're going to go to Hawaii for a couple of weeks. We're going to come back for a day. We're going to go to the front row dad's event in Austin, and they're going to fly down for that one. And they'll like go to the Great Wolf Lodge for a couple of days while I go to that. And then we're going to stay down in Austin for a couple of weeks, and so we'll work on businesses there. Then we'll probably come back to California for a week, and then we'll go out. And then we'll next time we'll go out to Nashville for a couple of weeks. And so we try to combine the fun with prospective work environments where I could do some meetings. But the other thing are like, when it comes to Hawaii, it's combining the miracle morning and the four hour work week principles. So I'll get up at, you know, 430 in the morning in Hawaii and I'll work for a few hours. So by 730, you know, that's uh, 1030 Pacific time, 1230 central. Like by that time I can be done with my day. And so as my kids are waking up wanting to go to the beach, I can have business done for the day. Hmm. And so But it is about hiring good team members and good people and good systems. And I'm a big fan of software. Like I think software can really make all of our lives a lot easier. So anytime we come up with an idea, we try to implement it with all of our software within the next week. Like we'll look at our internal software and I wish it did that. We'll record a video and upload it to our programmers and sometimes by the next morning it's done.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Last question for anybody listening who's thinking, man, this all makes sense. I've been wanting to get an entrepreneurship. I see how it provides more opportunity more safety, for someone kind of getting started in entrepreneurship, what's one piece of advice you give a new entrepreneur that's just starting out?
1: Yeah, I would say, find something that you love. Because if you find something that you love, then your brain will come up with those ideas. So everyone will say, like, find a problem and solve it. And if nobody else has solved it yet, solve it. Right? Like, that's where all the big businesses came from. So that's where you get the ideas. But one of my big secrets that helped make it happen was, I didn't just quit my job without a plan. I've met guys that'll say, I want to become an entrepreneur. I'm tired of working. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. Yeah. And I say, okay, you can do that if you have some savings and you know exactly what you're going to do tomorrow. So some people go, I don't know what I want to do yet. I want to get into real estate. I want to quit my job. And so I tell them that the safest way to do it is to... You know, to make sure if they quit their job on a Friday that they know that on Monday morning at 8 o'clock, they're going to wake up and they're going to spend the next eight hours going toward this new venture. And they have four weeks in savings. I mean, I should have had three months in savings when I really did it. And that would have been, you know, more – it would have been –
0: No, you had had six weeks and you got the deal right at the end. So, you had the perfect amount.
1: Yes. (laughs) But, man, it was – but I'm glad I stuck with it, right? So I would say, but that's a big thing that I get a lot of calls that people hear my story and go, hey, I'm ready to quit my job. You know, what should I tell them? How can I tell my wife that I need to do what you did and quit my job and start my business? And I'd say, well, what are you going to do on Monday if you quit today? And when they don't have a plan yet, I ready. tell them they can't quit their job until they absolutely have a plan. Yeah, you so need when a I plan, you to need to quit plan. my job, I knew the next day I was going to be driving houses for auction and then attending auction to try to bid on.
0: Right. You need that plan. And I think the other thing to take out of that is you need support too. like have that conversation with your husband or wife before you're going to quit your job and make sure they're on board.
1: Yes, absolutely. Like, because as a family unit and as a, to be able to happily stay married, like those decisions have to be made together. That way, if something goes wrong, it's a team effort. Yeah. if you try a business, like we failed in five or six businesses before we had one work. Like if you do it together and it fails, it doesn't bring you apart. But if one of you makes the decision and the other doesn't and it fails, then it really makes the problem.
0: Yeah, the other one's against it and they're going, I told you so. We're in that boat. You know, it's, we are recording this in February. I quit my job a few months ago to join a new business. I had my wife's full support on it. We talked about it at length. And now she's starting a business as well and we're supporting each other. And it's, it's so much fun because we're supporting each other. We're communicating. But we've had those experiences in the past where we were not very supportive. We were not communicating well. And things didn't go well as a result. So Aaron, we got to wrap this up. This has been great. For anybody who wants to find out more information about you or the business, maybe they want to learn more about how to get into buying real estate and auction. Where do they go? How do they find out more?
1: Cool. Yeah, so if they want to like start buying leads and auction and see some of our stuff, FLS Online. So it's foreclosure listing service online. So, so FLS com. We'll get there. The, uh, you know, find me on Facebook. The the very few people have my name. So, you know, Aaron and And if you go that way, people can message me on there to see, you know, Aaron and com has some blogs and some things and different ideas out there. But Facebook tends to be the best way to see everything somebody offers and communicate quickly. And, you know, if somebody wants to learn how to become an investor and do deals, we want to be able to show them. We want to be able to take what we learned and help them and share the horror stories and the good fun stuff because it's created a fun lifestyle for us. And then, and I have to plug my wife's book. Like by the time this comes out, five-hour school week is going to be live. And, and it's from her perspective, how do you travel the world while you and homeschool your kids and lead them to a better life?
0: And that's part of my dream. So I can't wait to check that out. Uh, the five-hour school week. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. I'm so grateful to know you and have call you a friend and be connected with you on Facebook and be able to follow your journey. And I was really happy to be able to share that with my audience today. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for the opportunity. Hope you guys all have a great day. All right, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you're looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at Take care.